and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. This is episode 57, and if you haven't heard any of our earlier episodes, you can catch up with them on animationforadults.com. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, and podcast.com. And I am Chris, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello, Dan. Hi, Chris. How's it going? Sorry, I wasn't expecting for you to say hi to me. I don't know why. (laughs) It's going good. Cheers. Yeah, it's good. I'm sorry to catch you unawares. You did, yeah. In in this podcast that we arrange to do every week. Like, (laughs) (laughs) oh, I wasn't expecting you to talk to me. (laughs) I was just expecting to just sit here and listen. I felt like, yeah, it was was a little bit like the the teacher caught me, like... (laughs) Not paying attention or something. I don't know. Four out of ten, CB. Yeah. <laughs> and you've already heard her. Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hey, what's up? Not much. What's <laughs> up with you? Um, here to talk about some animation stuff. Yeah. And re- returning tonight. Making her triumphant return. It's Yvonne. Hi, Yvonne. Hey. <laughs> how, how are you guys? It's really nice to uh, to, to hang out with you guys again on the podcast. This is awesome. I've been looking Hail forward to it. Hail conquering hero. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right. The, yeah. the all-conquering mistress of the um, Animation Nights New York Best of Fest. Ooh. Yeah, that happened. That happened. <laughs> we have evidence. <laughs> So, and I'm a witness. The, and a witness. Yeah, that was really wonderful. That was freaking, it was great to have you there. Yeah, what What a couple of days. What a week. Honestly, um, just uh, FYI, if you guys ever do anything like this, um, you're going to be totally spent the week after. <laughs> so really, um, you know, just cancel coffee dates and things because they're just not going to happen. <laughs> just take the time to just lie in bed and just contemplate the universe. I'm serious. I mean, it's the funniest thing. There were people that who knew better than I did um, that I scheduled um, like coffee time with, and they knew. <laughs> like, no, yeah, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. Like they knew I didn't, and um, I, you know, and I had to apologize, and they were like, "Yeah." <laughs> Anyways, we knew this yeah. was coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. We can talk about that too. But it's, anyway, it's nice to be back. Nice to hear y'all. Well, participate because I listened. But yeah, fantastic. <laughs> and this week, our main topic is going to be Miss Hokusai from Production ID and Keiichi Hara, I believe is the way you pronounce it, which is not bad going considering I hadn't practiced that. I think that sounds all right. Yeah, I think that sounds <laughs> I d- good. I, I didn't do my normal thing. Of just getting to someone's name and go, oh, I've never actually heard that said out loud. Which <laughs> 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 happens so often. They're like, oh, no, I've totally. never heard anyone say that name before. Now I have to say it. Uh, I'm going to guess. So, but you, but you kind of get an idea of the Japanese names, I think, when you list, when you hear enough of them. Yes, we're going to be talking about Miss Hokusai from Keiichi Hara and Production ID, which is the animated movie about the daughter of the artist Hokusai that is currently screening as we speak in New York and LA via G-Kids and we'll then next week Friday 21st we'll be opening wider across the US and Canada and we'll also be coming to Blu-ray and DVD in the UK from 
Anime Limited, including one of their very fancy pants special Ultimate Editions. So you very might want nice. to check that out. But before we get to that, we will do our normal discussion of the latest animation news. And then after we do that, we will do our talk about the stuff that we've been watching and some stuff we've been up to or playing or whatever in what we are now calling the water cooler because it <laughs> is our virtual water cooler. It is. So, Ooh, we should I, have I sound effects for that. I did Maybe. think about that. Yeah, like, like, like bubbles. That's exactly what I imagined. I imagined glug, just glug, bubbling glug, 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 glug. You know, <laughs> <laughs> see, a lot it. of the stuff for the podcast, just so you're all aware, we've so a lot of the planning for the podcast we kind of just think up of on the fly. Mm-hmm. If you can't tell that. Go- <laughs> ever be able to tell that, ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are such a slick operation. <laughs> 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 yes, but before that, on to the news, and um, we've got a few stories to talk about this week, not too many. Earlier this year, it, over in the UK, I say over in the UK, I'm in the UK, what am I saying <laughs> over in the UK? Here in the UK, <laughs> here in the UK, uh, Manga Entertainment uh, brought the classic film Akira back to cinema screens around the UK and Ireland, or the UK and Dublin, to be more accurate, I think. Um, (laughs) And it did really well, because it's Akira, and everyone wanted to see it on the big screen. And basically, because that's been a success, they are also going to be bringing Ghost in the Shell uh, back to cinema screens in January. Nice. January 25th, so in the UK and Dublin. (laughs) Uh, it will be screening for one night only on January 25th, 2017. The year when everything will be better, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, the year that Ghost in the Shell, the live-action movie, is coming out. That's next year, isn't it? I, I think, think so. Yeah, I think so. I forget what time of the year it's supposed to be releasing, but I, I it, believe it is supposed to be next year. Because I think this is... Kind of no coincidence. Cause, no, I don't think it yeah. is either. If, if they're doing this alongside the the live action movie release, I think it's very much planned out. Um, yeah, Ghost of the Shell is returning to cinemas in the UK. So, moving on. Uh, a bit of news has broken in the world of streaming, and that is that a TV series that Studio Ghibli are involved with is... Mm-hmm is going to be finally available in the English language via Amazon Prime. And that is Ronia the Robber's Daughter, or Roger the Robber's Daughter. Ronia, is it said in America, but I think the English version, they say Ronia. Um, And this is actually directed by Goro Miyazaki, son of Heo Miyazaki. And it is a co-production between Studio Ghibli and Polygon Pictures, which is why it is a 3D cel-shaded thingy. Um, mm. Got a bit of a Ghibli look to it, but it's also cel-shaded in the same style as... Oh, what's that one called? Uh, it's on... Oh, like the video game? No, I'm thinking it is an anime series. It's on Netflix. Oh, R-B-Y-Y? R-B-W-Y? Is that... Ruby? Kind of like that. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's just pronounced Ruby. Oh, oh, gone blank. Anyway, um, 
And we knew it was going to be dubbed because Studio Ghibli International kept tweeting about doing the dub and stuff. It's like, oh, we've just recorded the English version of Ronya. And so we knew it was coming from somewhere. And it has been announced that it's been picked up by Amazon to stream on Amazon Prime as a Amazon Kids exclusive. Uh, Amazon Original Kids series. Um, this, we don't know where it's going to be available uh, but Amazon Prime is only available in video. This is it's only available in the UK, US, Japan, and Germany at the moment. So I guess if you're not in one of those countries and you're not an Amazon Prime subscriber, you won't be able to watch it. Uh, oh, sad. I have heard people from like Ireland and Canada complaining mm. that they won't get to see it because um, Amazon normally get like the worldwide rights but they're mm. only active in certain countries so they just don't stream it anywhere That's else weird. So, if, so if you're so if you're in one of the other countries <laughs> but I think that's probably because they're probably planning on expanding to other countries in future I'd be very surprised if they weren't yeah I mean Amazon we've got Canada operation so I don't know why they wouldn't do the video there eventually um yeah, there's been a bunch of anime showing up on on uh, Amazon Prime, and they just dump it on there. Don't give it any um, any promotion, and you don't know it's there. And I think it's because they just like pick it up for Japan and get it get it as a side effect, so they just subtitle it and stick it on. But probably this one has definitely been dubbed, and it's it's aimed at kids. So hopefully they're gonna actually push. There was there was something I was surprised about when this press release or whatever was announced was that it was going to be narrated by Gillian Anderson. Yes. Um, which isn't, I mean, it's, I think she was in the dub of Princess Mononoke. Yes. Um, but it was surprising because I've seen a couple of episodes of this um, like ages ago and um, and it didn't have a narration, I don't think. No. So I'm not sure if it's something that has been like added to, uh, yeah, for 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 the dub. Hmm. Unless there's been a misconception and they've just said. Narrate. Oh yeah, narrated um, like a voiceover, like yeah. yeah, and it's been lost. Maybe perhaps, perhaps. But it does say narrate specifically, so that is intriguing. And this is actually based on a children's book by Swedish author Astrid Lindgren, who is the author of Pippi Longstocking. Oh, awesome! Which is why it's pronounced Ronja as well. Yes. <laughs> I, so cool. So this I've I've seen conflicting reports. I've heard later this year or next year, but either way, fairly soon. <laughs> either so, way, it's coming. Yes, unless you haven't, you live in a country without Amazon Prime. Sorry. <laughs> okay, moving on. Something that has also arrived online this week 
uh, is the short Borrowed Time, which you may have heard us talk about before. That's right. Because it is made, it's a short film that is be, been made by basically animators from Pixar on their off time, because it's actually a, it's an sort of adult themed short. Um, and we've seen teasers and stuff. And David Lally, who came on the show a while back, uh, he worked on it. And he was very excited about it and wanted it, was looking forward to everyone getting to see it. And it showed, played lots of festivals and everything. And now, for the time being at least, it is available to watch on Vimeo. And you should watch it, because it's great. <laughs> How long is, the, um, is it going to be available on Vimeo? Don't know. Doesn't say. But it but. is, is going to be a limited time. Dan said he thought it was. Did you not say that? I heard that from somewhere. Okay. <laughs> I I hadn't seen that anywhere, but basically don't hang around, watch it. Yeah, just get on there, watch it now. Like right now. Or after the listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or pause the podcast, watch it, then come back. Yes, you that works. That. You can do that, yeah. But you will find the link in the show notes. I think, yes. So, Borrow Time is available online, so watch it. Um, do we want to talk? But Rachel hasn't seen it, so maybe so, we won't talk about it. Well, we can do that. We can do. We can save a whole episode to talk about that. Once I've seen it. Hmm. I, I I liked it. I loved it actually. Mm-hmm. My my jaw actually dropped. <laughs> I actually. <laughs> There was one bit just maybe. Oh. I really like, like the that. character design. Yes, but we've talked about that before. Yeah, yeah see, this is like the thing about the thing uh, about the short for <laughs> me was, like the trailer, like visually looked amazing. Like you know, we were talking about all the details that you could like see, like the the material that his clothes are made out of, and he had like. And a really uh, like visceral stubble going on. Yeah, and the but the thing that like blew me away about the thing itself was just like how um, emotionally uh, like involving and like arresting it was. It was a great story. I lo- yeah, I like overall as a film, I I, I thought it was amazing. I agree. <laughs> oh, and a bit as an update to a story we did last week, and that is that the Kickstarter campaign for Mecha Uday has met its campaign goal. Yes, it actually, as far as I'm, last time I checked, it's it had gone over a thousand, a thousand over its goal. So now, uh, I think that it, now that they've reached the goal, now it's time to see if they can do like set other marker uh, goal markers to see if there's a. Uh, Anything else that that people can donate and see if they will give them more access to. And I like to think that we can take about seven percent of the credit. So. <laughs> Only seven <laughs> percent. Yeah, because it then it then did get featured on Anime News Network after we covered it. So yeah. that's quite that's kind of big. Yeah, uh, that probably helped. Yeah, maybe a bit more than us. But <laughs> hey, whoever <laughs> keeps. Whoever keeps the ball rolling doesn't matter who. It's it's the 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 whole thing is that the fact that it got funded that is a huge that is a huge huge thing and I am so happy that we'll be able to get to see this come to life. 
And also, there's been a bit of a sad story this week. Yeah. And that is the that the news that somebody who worked for Studio Ghibli has passed away. Yeah, Mit, uh, Michio uh, Michio Yasuda. Uh, she was the uh, one of the major colorists for Studio Ghibli, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was like the color designer on I pr- almost all of the movies. I mean, she worked on every single one of Miyazaki's movies. Whoa. Um and also with Takahata. I think I think on all of Takahata's as well. Wow. Uh I, I apart from uh Princess Kaguya. Wow. So like she was um She'd been working with Miyazaki and Takahata since the 70s, so she was kind of um, as important, like a, I, I, from for my money, like as important, um, like a founding figure in Studio Ghibli as anyone else. Mm. Um, because I, I don't know, like I think. Even if you don't like the movies, and even if you've only seen like one or two, like the words that people use most of the time is like, oh, they're really colorful and they're beautiful. And yeah, she just had such an amazing, like, really unique sense of colors uh, that I personally, for me, was always like. <laughs> it was one of those things that, like, I wanted it to be, uh, uh, like, it, it inspired me. And I was, like, I was trying to figure it out, and, like, I wanted it to be an influence for me personally. But it was just, like, she was so individual with with how she coloured things that I just couldn't ever, like, get a grip on it. It was, like, completely beyond me. Um, and just to be clear, like, when we say colour designers, so that means that... Um, she didn't do anything to do with backgrounds, although she probably had a big uh, role in uh, deciding uh, which colours, you know, would go in certain scenes. But her main work was colouring the characters and, like, objects, anything that moved, basically, and had, um, like, uh, flat colour. Okay, so like anything like a, a single color, but like you like a particular scene, she would be responsible for picking like what shades of that color to give in, you know, in terms of lighting and so on and so forth. Like, yeah, yeah. So like she'd pick, you know, in in a scene where there'd be a character in, in and they'd have a shadow. Like yeah, she'd she'd decide what's what's the right shadow um, color and what's the right highlight color and you know costumes and things like that. Um, but like it, I mean, she was she was brilliant because she wasn't just picking colors that would necessarily like, I mean, harmonize with the backgrounds um, and with each other. So she, you know, obviously picked complementary colors and things like that. But she also thought very strongly about like the symbolism behind colors mm-hmm. and like the effect that they'd have. I mean, like one of my favorite little nuggets is. Um, in Princess Mononoke, um, the main, uh, the fan, the Princess Mononoke herself, um, has black hair. 
but uh, Michio Yasuda was, you know, she wanted to avoid like a muddy look, and she thought that black would be not a very nice color to actually look at. So to show black hair, she actually picked a really dark shade of green, and mm. and it and when you look at it, it it works like yeah. amazingly well. Because it looks like how black hair does when the light catches it, mm-hmm. and like she she was a genius for like little things like that. Um, yeah, I uh, I got a big kick out of like looking at her work and um, yeah, just just really reveling in it because I mean it's it's one of those things like an animator it's just like happening every frame and it's constantly changing. And unless you actually like pause it to, to like, I mean, you don't have to pause it to enjoy it at all. I'm not saying that, but well, she's using rules of painting for every single frame and treating exactly. each cell yeah. as a painting, and that's, which is incredible. And I mean, that's the kind yeah. of level of detail that that um, it has such an impact. And and I love talks about um, color theory and use of color theory and. Um, uh, you know, because it's all so important, and <laughs> but the, you know, mm. not everyone can take the time. So it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah, painting is such a good like analogy because, I mean, she's being forced to like choose. Well, that's what it is. I mean, you know, like it's like one the, color yeah. to represent how something should look in that particular light. But it's also, you know, the rules of painting for, you know, you have the, your one blackest black and your one lightest light and you have to choose what those are and where the eye will be led, right? And then there are all these sort yeah. of, not tricks, but um, they sort of just go along with exactly like color theory and how light reacts and what palette you're using. And, uh, oh, yeah. It's crazy, it's yeah. <laughs> there are some really good videos you can find online of her, um, uh, like in behind the scenes things, talking like to Miyazaki Ooh. and then like deliberating for what seems like 10 minutes over like the highlight of like a background character's uh, hat. Amazing. <laughs> and them saying, you know, that's not quite the right color. And her, you know, and, and it's, it's not really until like you watch that, do you really like appreciate that's just like one moment, <laughs> one tiny thing of an ins- like insignificant to us, like background character. <laughs> yeah, and, and we just it just sort of resonates as a feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like for me, that's why. I mean, I I I said on Twitter like I think she really was an absolute genius because, uh, I think. Her color, I, I haven't seen color design in animated films that looks anything like hers. It was completely unique. And I've actually, I've been, it's been, obviously the circumstances are terrible, but it has been nice to see how widely this has been written on. Like, the BBC did an article and stuff, like, saying you might not have heard of her name, but you've definitely seen her work, things like that. And it's like it's been written about all over, and it has. Yeah, I can't tell if um, it's entirely down to complete understanding of what her job was. 
I mean, not that that exactly matters, because I mean, the most you know the the story unfortunately is is her passing. But I I saw a few things where people just say, "Oh, look at these colors; they're great," and it was a background, <laughs> and some people saying, "Oh no, I loved his films." <laughs> kind of, I think, implying that people had thought that Miyazaki had died. Oh, so, but, but, um, yeah, no, you're right, Chris. It is like, I think that's the testament, isn't it? Like the impact that she, her work had, is that even if people didn't know her name, like when they found out, oh no, the person who 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 made those colors like died, they felt, uh, yeah, there's you just see like a massive outpouring of love. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm not sad because she left behind some amazing work. Yeah, I know. That is fair. And and and, you know, there's no like personal loss there, but um, damn, like uh, (laughs) what a like seriously, like what an amazing, you know, uh, like legacy really to to Mm. leave behind. Yeah. That will, you know, even if they said, even if they don't remember the name, those scenes that she worked on will always, like, pop in the, you know, in the minds of everyone who remembers those films and enjoyed those films. Like, I know, like, well, as we've been talking, there's this one particular scene in Mononoke that keeps uh, standing out to me as uh, particularly impressive. When uh, San's about to make the attack on Irontown, and you see, like, the dark, like, you know, moonlit night, you see her riding in the wolves as they get ready. And yeah. just, just the way the the they capture the moon reflecting off the wolves' white fur. Yeah, yeah. The shadows. It was with their like eyes kind of glowing luminescently. Like that. Like alone is just like uh, incredible. But that's not all she did. She was able to do like everything. Like, yeah, said, she. You, yeah, on, so. she really was like um, key uh, in many. In many moments, for like capturing the atmosphere of a scene, which is more than like is an integral part of any movie. So she's a large part of why those films felt the way they did. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely, and um, she really did like like master master her craft and and always like. She, but the thing is, like, she was actually like challenging herself as well. Um, uh, up until like the end of her career, I, um, like in, in Ponyo, um, she was like, she was like, this has to be a colorful film. It has to be, uh, like colorful all the way throughout. And like, there was a little detail that I remember hearing, um, about how she colored Ponyo was that traditionally when she was, um, showing things that were half in water. She would tint the uh, underwater part of an object or a hand, for example, to be um, like slightly greener and more, um, and, sorry, and less saturated. Ah. But for this, but for Ponyo, she was like, um, she she tried like uh, from the from the outset to make sure that even if something was underwater, that it would like appear colourful. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't going to be like a dull, a dull moment. Okay, that's awesome. incredible. Thank you very much for that 
very informed rap- rounding up of an amazing career because <laughs> this is this is when it really comes in handy to have your knowledge with that. <laughs> And I think uh, that will about do us for news. Uh, but to our main topic, uh, that is Miss Hokusai. Woo! Which we have all been able to watch. Uh, most of us via a very kind um, a screener link from G-Kids. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, you G-Kids. Although I actually watched it on a Blu-ray screener from Anime Limited. So thank you, Anime Limited, as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Dan, you actually saw it. You got to see it at the cinema originally, didn't you? I did, yeah. I saw it, like, way back in April, I think. Yeah. It was, um... I think it was part of, of, like, a Japanese um, uh, embassy-funded film festival. That That sounds right. Yeah, and it was basically on, like, one afternoon. And what, what did you think? In April, <laughs> do you remember? <laughs> Back in April, I think I kind of like um, had a couple of thoughts on it that I spoke about. Um, uh, I loved it. I didn't know what to expect going in, and it's a really surprising film. Um, yes. It really isn't anything like another movie I've seen because it's not got like a traditional structure Mm-mm. and it doesn't play by um like conventional movie rules uh there's no like perceivable or or rather um like uh obvious signposted uh arc mm-hmm. to any of the characters but it's still like that that's kind of not doesn't even come into it for me because it's I just found it like such a fascinating um, f- like film because it, it's full of like richness of of life but 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 uh, it it's like it, it's it's historically actually quite educational but it's everything is presented in a really entertaining way. Um, so I found it kind of fascinating um, in, in in that sense. Uh, and I really liked when it sort of, in, in, in the same sort of way, how it was kind of trying to, it was, it was playing on the historical context like constantly. And I really enjoyed how it kind of went contemporary when it suited it with like music yeah, or I know. attitudes yeah. and and then when it needed to do another thing it it saw it very plainly from um uh the attitudes and the perspective of the time that it was actually depicting and i got a big kick out of that it, it was kind of like in the same way like that te- quentin tarantino does it um yeah. but yeah that's like my general thoughts on the film i'm a i'm a big fan of it yeah Oh, I just wanted to make a just kind of side comment off like what uh what Dan was saying because it's it's like you said it ignores a lot of uh, you know traditional film conventions and even just as a you know and you know Japanese animated film you know those have their you know a lot plenty of conventions of their own kind of ignored mm. those too to an extent yeah. which yeah. I thought was 
very, very refreshing to watch. I suppose we should back up and explain to the uninitiated what this film is. All right. Uh, and it is essentially it is an animated biography, but that doesn't really cover it at all. But it is um, based on the life of Oa 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 Oa, who was. This sounds like a football chant. Oa Oa Oa. That joke was going to happen eventually. I should have resigned myself to it. Um, this is uh, she was. The daughter of the uh, famous Japanese artist Katsuhika Hokusai, who is best known, perhaps, well, definitely for the iconic piece of work, The Great Wave, uh, which, that's not the full title. The full title is apparently The Great Wave of Kanagawa, but everyone just calls it The Great Wave, I think. And I'm sure you know what that print is. You might go, oh, I don't, it's a big wave, basically. <laughs> You know that big wave? That's that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it is about his daughter, who is... You know, she's like an adult daughter. Um, don't know exactly how old she is, but she's like know, late teens, early 20s, something like that. That's guess. where I would estimate she would be. Mm. And she is... Um, she's, she is also an artist, but she sort of works... At, lives with him and his, his, his assistant, and she's also creating prints, because... That's the interesting thing. It's he wasn't like, like, an artist in the sense of, like Van Gogh or whatever or Da Vinci. He he was creating prints that were were being sold. You know, in that a bit more commercial sense. Yeah, and he was like a, he was like a living celebrity as well. Mm. And yeah, and he also did. Apparently, he did the uh, saucy prints. Apparently, which I did not know. Um, which erotica? Was, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're going to class it up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just to be super clear, because saucy yeah. friends could be, he did still life of pots or. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, was was I overly British there? Sorry. But I I can't tell. No, I really no. can't tell. I know what you meant. Yeah. I, no, no, I no, can't no. guarantee. Okay. No, no. We're good. <laughs> okay. We're all on the same page. <laughs> Yeah, and basically it's it's about her and her, but it's not like a full life story or like we said, it's got an unusual structure. And basically, she lives with him and does some things, and <laughs> things happen. Yeah. That is like, basically the plot of the movie. It's because she you, you watch her live her like this this portion of her life mm-hmm. with her father as his assistant, trying to you know. Be make more of a name for herself and her experiences during that time, and then you you basically watch her get to that conclusion she eventually wants to make, and then the movie ends, and that's it. There's really no like spoilers. Oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's very epic. It, it feels very epic because of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, normally, like a biography is either like the entire life story, mm-hmm. like. It starts with a little scene with them when they're ten, and they go blind, and then they become, <laughs> then they become a genius musician, and then 
they get drunk and and they yeah and they have yeah. an argument with their wife. Conflict. Yeah. There's conflict. There's a always life changing moment. And there's there's usually some like um, neglect or abandonment of kids. Mm. And then yeah. then it all leads up to a big concert at the end. <laughs> and then yeah. That is not then, this movie. And then they win an Oscar. Um, that is definitely not this movie. <laughs> no. It's also not like... The other way things are sometimes done is like a particular point in their life, which this kind of is, but it isn't at the same time. It's not like... Yeah. It is, but it's not working up to anything, really. Yeah, usually when they'll do that in an artist biopic, it will be like the story behind the one painting or movie yeah. or yeah thing that they did and is like they're defining. Basically, if this had works. been about, ah, and she inspires her dad to create the wave. Cause <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wave. Uh, <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I thought going in. I'm glad they got that over and out of the way Same. like pretty early. I went in wa- watching this movie thinking that it was going to be about that, and then no, it proved it me was, wrong. It was really about that little dog. <laughs> I oh. want that puppy! <laughs> no, but I mean, he was the sort of point of reference through the entire movie. And he also led the eye, and he also um, sort of became this sort of outsider, um, like something that you could sort of reference and relate to, right? That's really perceptive, because, yeah, I guess he was like... The only uh, non-artist mm-hmm. living in the house. <laughs> he sort of he hung around. He's like, "Why do you hang around here?" Like yeah, he me. was like the maid or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he also had there was a time he sort of grew and aged a little bit, whereas the main character was timeless. Let's say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we don't really know how long it takes because it seem it's basically like. A series of unconnected. I, I remember actually, Dan, you saying it, it's kind of like it's what like a couple of two or three episodes of a TV series or something. Is I think oh, how you described it. Yeah, well, so the film has been described as episodic mm. elsewhere, and as as much as like that's a pretty uh, um, clear like explanation of how it feels. I always find that description kind of lazy when it comes to films that don't completely conform to traditional structure um read my review <laughs> right because because i, I don't think i should no. <laughs> you know, i did read your review i did read your review and, oh my goodness oh. thanks for putting me on the spot man awesome <laughs> Um, only because it um, there's a lot more going on than it just being like two or three episodes. But that said, I think, and I think I did say this back in April as well. Like you probably could, like, take a point like twenty three minutes in, and that's us- and that will be the point where like the first part of the movie wraps up. Mm-hmm. Um, in actual fact, I am just clicking through it now, and yes, um, at twenty-five minutes, <laughs> the story about the um, uh, shall we call her society lady, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of uh, begins. And up until that point, it's just kind of been about 
Oe's everyday life and her little sister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess it pretty much is yeah two or three episodes of a, of a thing. It feels like in the best way, like when you marathon a whole series of something in a night. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and 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 you're right, Yvonne. Like that's probably why it feels kind of epic as well mm-hmm. because there's a lot that happens yeah and i mean you know what i really loved or the thing that sort of stuck with me from the very beginning besides um some of the uh acting choices in in the moments um and i mean it was very very adult orientated for one thing which is cool um but also the attitude of the main character i mean the fact that you just see she is tough as nails and um and in a way that and at one point you almost feel um, horrible for her because you're thinking like, she's look at all this stuff she's processing. <laughs> I don't know this as well anyway, but like she's, you know, you see her like, smoking. Like, he's a pipe smoker. Yeah. Almost immediately, you know, and, and you're just kind of like, okay, like she's gonna, but she's, yeah, she's tough as nails. Um, um, I, I wasn't, ex- I didn't really expect, I wasn't expecting anything when I watched that. And I just, I really, I immediately fell in love with the main character. Yeah. And then she, yeah. she's tough and she's also got her softer moments too. Like you see like around her father and around his colleagues, she is very much like you said, the tough as nails, you know, got to get it done. Like kind of personality, you know, just like do my business, you know, forget everybody else. But when you see the scenes where she's with her younger sister, mm-hmm you see a whole other side to her. The, the side that she, she mm. only yeah. shows her Except sister. Except she's also the caregiver in those moments. Yeah. And I mean, so that's why I just, I don't know. For me, it was really a heartbreaking story too because, you know, she never, she's always on guard through the whole movie. She's either protecting or she's, she's standing ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are only a few moments where we kind of seen her, see her in a, like a vulnerable like, really, like, vulnerable position, like, say, there's uh, a certain individual who she may or may not have the hots for, and it's just, like, you know, she, you, you definitely see oh, her get all, even, yeah. even then she's guarded, though. Yeah, she's... totally, yeah. Yeah, see, like, this for me is where I, I, I loved, the, and I felt like it was also, like, a bit more contemporary in those mm-hmm. scenes where it felt like just a good old shoujo, like, uh, romance where she was, like, you know, um, she had the hots for this, like, incredibly well-built, beefy, tall man. Experienced, yeah, who's, worldly. Yeah, and stoic, and, you know, she kind of got a bit quieter in those moments. And her, and her little sister actually points out, she's like, mm-hmm. you were acting, acting strange. <laughs> poor, poor, poor little thing is blind, and even she can tell that her sister's acting strange. <laughs> got extra perception, you see. Like, like mm-hmm. Daredevil. She's, but yeah, she's a lot like Daredevil. Yeah, exactly. that, little girl, that little girl was the most precious thing in the entire movie. That she didn't oh. really talk. She did a lot of head shaking. Um, right. Um, that yeah, get, but right. It was, it, but, I was like, she every time she did it, it was like it was animated beautifully. Like I the way know. Her hair bobbed. I know because her hair wasn't just swinging. Mm-hmm. You know, like when the, the, someone has like shoulder hang, shoulder length hair like that mm-hmm. with a little bob to it, it actually like kind of bobbed as she shook her head. Yeah, yeah, it was animated exquisitely. Oh yeah, some of the and the little dog too. So many moments where I was just like, oh look at that, the way they drew his little feet, kind of 
I don't know. <laughs> There's like tons of little moments like that. But um, what was I gonna say? That dog was the real star of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting. Oh, the guitar uh, was really. I, I was just like, "What?" at the very beginning. Oh, I, I liked it. Pieces. I liked it, but I, at first, I I was really thrown a little bit. But by the end, I was digging it. I was totally loving it. Yeah, well, at I first, was, it, was, was it was kind of off-putting. I was extra confused when everyone started speaking in French, and the, then there was. I kind of yeah, that's something. And you're like, "Wow, this yeah, really I is wrong." <laughs> I, I I didn't. I don't think I've said this on on mic. Um, <laughs> It happened to be that my review copy, the default language is in French. So when I first started watching it, everyone was speaking in French. And it was the first time I was watching it. So I was like, are they supposed to be speaking in French? Is that right? <laughs> is they in France? Oh, this or is something? a Japanese so, movie. So I just had to have a quick check at the um, settings. And no, no, it's supposed to be in Japanese. There's just a French <laughs> dub on it. It's, it's not like a very specific Japanese dialect, which sounds like French. It, yeah. It's just that. <laughs> <laughs> but the, um, my absolute favorite scene is the scene where... Should we put up the spoiler barrier? Oh. Yeah, because I would say, cause in terms of the overall plot, there really isn't that much to spoil. I no, would, there's not. No. The only thing that can be spoiled One in this thing. are the individual scenes. Mm. So, yeah, I would say if we're going to talk about individual scenes, we'll put up a little spoiler warning. So, if basically, I guess we say we it's really good, we like it, and go see it. If if you're going to stop listening at this point because you don't want to hear any details, right? <laughs> yep. Go. We will pretty much see where that. it's going to be airing. If it's going to be airing near you, get a ticket and go. And and you can check out the show notes to see where we stop talking about this and start talking about other stuff. <laughs> so yeah, just jump ahead. There will be. Um, uh, I'll talk about um, uh, Ethel and Ernest later yes. on. So, so stay tuned. Uh, Teaser. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah. into the scene is the uh, bit with the where she goes for the walk with her little sister in the snow. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Is it just that whole thing, or just that one bit? Well, that bit, and then there's the she meets the little boy. That was my it. favorite scene. And he doesn't not gonna know. Lie. He doesn't. At first, he's like, "What? Why is she not? Hello, <laughs> wavy wavy." <laughs> well, here's the thing, because I, I remember when that scene came up, and um, you know, you see him waving his hand in front of her face, and she's not reacting, and you look at um, Owe's face, and you see her tense up. Yeah. Both she and I were doing the exact same thing yeah. during that moment. Just like, yeah. oh no, he like this, the you know the cruelty of kids. You know that's normally they don't they tease what they don't get, but that right. is not what this boy did, which was so adorable. Also, he mm-hmm. holds the he holds the snow out, so it's all very clear that he's got the. Um, there's a possibility things could go another way, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's like yeah, they they're first good, for good second, staging. Like, <laughs> it, 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 the, 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 just kind of I was the, the say the um the atmosphere that particular moment when you're not sure what the boy is gonna do and you just mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. oh I tense up and look like she's about, you know ready to walk over and intervene only to realize she doesn't really have to right because she's also she's she's having her her uh, sweet sake <laughs> yeah there's that too uh, too no, I'm just kidding I was just like oh a little girl's drinking that too that's interesting. 
Well, it's, it helps helps keep you warm. Yeah, no, I, I was just it was funny. It was I don't know. I found that interesting. <laughs> but yeah, just... I, the details like that though, like really, yeah, um, made the film come alive for me. Where totally. it was like they'd obviously done the historical research, and I mean, I do remember when I first saw it, I felt like, um, like completely transported. Mm-hmm. That oh yeah, time yeah, and mm-hmm. that place for an hour and a half. Yeah, that was really one of the coolest aspects about that film was just the yeah you know, was the fact that it was such kind of like a time capsule kind of experience. And even even with the film's you know occasional like bouts of like supernatural like visual effects, that also again it's oh, it's yeah. very in you know in time with that particular era because you know even now like that's you know the whole fact that you know the you know every the, with the, I think it's that Shin, the Shinto uh, belief is that you know every there's like a god in every bit of nature, kind of like belief, and as you you can see that that was a you know prominent belief at the time, so it's just like you get to you know get a you kind of get a taste of that in the, the yeah I'm so glad you said that because um I yeah I really love that as well like how um yeah exactly how how the uh, how like the attitudes and perspective of the time was taken seriously by the film mm-hmm. to the point where the line between uh, the supernatural and what was actually there was completely mm-hmm. blurred. Totally. And you just accepted it. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, that gave me pause a little bit at first, and then I was just, then I could roll with it. Also, yeah, because it is weird. Know. I mean, it is a weird film in that sense yeah. that you, that like some things happen, and you're like, what does that mean? Like, is that, what is that? But mm-hmm. if you just like, you know, let it sit with you for a bit longer, then it begins to make sense. In and, itself. Yeah, and also because of the sort of the nature of. Of well, because it wasn't sort of a packaged story, it kind of did sit with you anyway. Because it wasn't like tied in again necessarily. There was no sort of finishing uh, wrap up or anything that sort of gave a reason for any of it. It just it existed like it was yeah. there, you know. And it was just yeah. like another level of of uh, or way of thinking. And you know what? I also loved. I really love their uh, incorporation of. Um, sort of the CG, the 3D elements. Like, for right. instance, that moment when they went under the bridge. Like, how beautiful was that? And they that were really fantastic. perfect. Um, it was, we've talked about this a lot, but it was really kind of the perfect use of that to, you know, demonstrate, to punctuate a moment, right? Yeah, and it wasn't just the bridge, too. There were, like, it was scattered yeah. throughout the film. Like, totally. I remember, like, a couple of uh, different visual effects. Like, yeah. um, with, uh, I think it was in the very near the very beginning of the film, and you're seeing... Uh, Oh, I talk while well, I walk to her mother's home, and mm-hmm. you know, as as she's walking by, you're, you know, she's passing these willow trees, mm-hmm. and the willows as they're blowing in the wind. That's definitely that definitely seems like computer generated, like uh, animated, you know, animated stuff. And as compared to the rest of the you know environment in that scene, which is mostly two, you know, two dimensional. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was thought it was just interesting, like you know, they in just certain areas they just added that little touch. Yeah. computer generated like animation and it actually was to the film's benefit I think yeah it was really beautiful I really liked the way they handled that because it's like in real life when you have this sort of moments 
Mm-hmm. Of yeah. Cl- yeah. Yeah, this is the kind of movie it is. Like, it's mm-hmm. much more like a slice of life movie where, you know, I where quote unquote nothing happens, but the texture of life is what makes the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a nice way of saying it. Well put, Dan. But I, I had no idea there was going to be any of the sort of supernatural stuff going into it. Yeah. So yeah. when that came, yeah, in, you caught, caught like, me by surprise too. It's but it's like like uh, Yvonne said, you see it, it kind of surprises you for a second, and then you just roll with it because it's mm. unlike like certain films who take advantage of using you know the, the supernatural uh, elements and beliefs of the you know Japan at that time. It doesn't force it down your throat. It just kind of like it's there and then it's gone. Go you know, normal routine for a couple yeah, scenes, and then it's yeah. there, and then it's gone. It's like it's, yeah. it's not an everyday occurrence, but it's something that is a part of that particular society of that time. But they and just you know, it, it just you just accept it. And you're never really sure if it's literal or if it's sort metaphorical. But there is there is one bit where it sort of is important. Mm -hmm. well the second time i watched it actually i was i mean so the the thing is is that it yeah what you're saying rachel is true it's a really it's it's a good movie because it's not um it's not on any at any point trying to be a primer for hokusai or the period Mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't um like explain what's happening or like oh this is what people used to believe and so this and it just kind of casually weaves stuff in yeah it's true and then even when it does there are moments where um there's almost an alternative explanation like for instance and um and i could i was just like am i reading into this or what (laughs) there's that whole line and also that there's a translation element too but um you know that moment when they're talking about um the 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 woman of the night or whatever like the head of the lady um, of the evening yeah lady of the evening um and they're talking they're telling the story about how is this this isn't spoiler is it or am i breaking we've already put up the spoiler flag good 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 okay i thought so so i was just making sure but um (laughs) anyways um but you know they're talking about her her neck growing and all that stuff and it had almost kind of this kind kind of funky um sort of um, sexual kind of innuendo type thing going on, or at least I thought yeah. so. And um, But then it goes, then it references like something more supernatural, right? And then there was another moment where um, one of the, the sort of, the sort of jester of the group um, is like, do you, I don't, do you see anything? I don't see anything, you know, almost sort of implying that right. um, it's um, a state of mind and not necessarily something that's actually visual. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is the thing. Yeah. This is so cool. I mean, um I'm yeah, it's so cool that you picked up on that because uh when I watched the film for the second time, I was uh I was ready for that and I was thinking about what that meant in relation to his artwork. Mhm. And it's like it's it's there in his artwork. Like the themes he were exp- he was exploring were everyday things but also the supernatural and um and erotica as well and when the 
I mean, there's there's a point in the film where it's implied that a painting itself um, is alive or has some kind of real um, effect on events, yeah. in a, in a, in a, and it gives the painting power. Mm-hmm. Like, a li- like in the in the te- in the, in the in the text of the film, like literally, it's causing things. Mm-hmm. And right. it, I thought it was such a cool thing to do because it it made um and and not in the typical way that biopics do with art. Um, it made the painting itself like magical. Right. Like, it, it made the 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 art itself have its own power, and I really loved that. It's almost like the entire movie itself could be based on sort of like some sort of timeless one piece or that was being caused by some sort of timeless one piece of artwork, you know, especially the way it was sort of wrapped up at the end, you know, because you're left with it just having been and that's it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can I can say like uh, the second watch was really rewarding. And almost because it's not the type of movie that had a beginning, middle, and end story. I mean, it kind of actually does. I mean, yeah. I think if you looked at it a bit closer, you would see a real good structure going on. Um, but it's not an obvious one mm-hmm. where you could sit down and easily tell someone what the story is. And because of that, I I felt like this, the, the second watch was really rewarding me and I was getting something else out of it. Uh, other than just being walked down the same path of like a story right yeah there's and, and not to mention i mean other than just general like interesting like references and struct and just uh structure but also like certain um, there are definite points in the uh, you know already well animated film where i feel like they just really caught some really you know got some really wonderful visual effects like we talked about the you know incorporation with the cg but there was one scene, a couple, there was one or two scenes that also stood out to me, um, was the one, like, one very, relatively early on when, um, uh, Hokusai Senior has done his dragon painting, but it, you know, it gets ruined inadvertently, and he, and he tells, oh, he's like, I'm not doing it again, and leaving her to do it while he <laughs> goes out, and with his, uh, other artist buddies, and, uh, they talk about, you know, the complications of drawing a dragon, and then you go cut back to away, and she's contemplating how to draw this big piece of you know of this dragon and then as a storm's rolling in and you see the wind build up and then you see the dragon appearing out of the clouds right that was just ugh. yeah that's what and and that's that points to what dan was just saying about the um paintings being magical it's and then then the little dog is there as witness and it's like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the dog, knows, the dog knows everything if we could just talk to the dog <laughs> but, but, you know like that's another part of the movie that i love is yeah. that it's actually um in the best sense like it's made for a popular audience still mm-hmm. and it's not like above having yeah right. like a, a really powerful <laughs> moment like that right with like a little cute dog exactly and I think I think that's actually um, uh, interesting when you look at uh, Keiichi Hara the director his um, uh, where he began he, he began um, 
as uh, I mean, he's he's probably best known. I mean, he spent most of his time in animation working on Crayon Shinchan. <laughs> ah, okay. So like working in really really popular and populist um, uh, comedy, basically. Oh. Uh, so he had like he 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 must have like developed a very uh, uh, a good sense of what's entertaining and and how to carry an audience through a film, uh, which is, I mean, even though this is a historical biopic, I think is is really for me what makes. Miss Hoxie like really unique and is that it feels contemporary really at the mm. same time. Oh yeah. It does. Definitely yeah, it does not feel um like a biopic. I mean you mentioned that already before, but it's sort of something that happens after the fact and you're like, I'd like to find out more, you know, <laughs> instead of um being mm. hit over the head. Yeah, it's no Yeah, I definitely wanted to look into uh sorry. So go ahead, Chris. It's no stuffy period piece, was all I was going to say. No, yeah, yeah, that's exactly not. what I was trying to say, Chris. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll put it, yeah. <laughs> but um, it does bring to life, like, that period of time really well. It's it's that old cliche of, hey, the, the city is kind of a character itself. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that old cliche, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of. Um, do you guys listen to Comedy Bang Bang? There's this, there's this bit they do where um, they're talking about. Oh, you know, I love the films of Woody Allen. I love, um, I love uh, all of his movies. But I tell you what, my favorite character that he did was Manhattan, uh, because in that movie, the city's really like a character in itself. <laughs> That's it. There's um, it's a running joke in the film. Uh, uh, who's it by? It's, uh, it's I think it's directed by David Wayne. It's um, uh, I think it is Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler, and it's called They They um, Came Together. And it's yeah. like, oh, I want to yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah it's a um, like a par- parody of a rom com, and <laughs> I love that title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they keep. That is a running joke about hey, the city's kind of like a character in itself. <laughs> but getting back to your point about the yeah. city being a character, yeah, yeah, seriously, yeah, e- Edo, Edo, which is the old historical version of Tokyo, is presented brilliant. But it's like it's that period of history. You normally see samurai running around and ninjas and stuff, or. And, mm-hmm. So it, and here we see, just see brothels. <laughs> that was interesting, by the it way. Was, I mean, not, not just with the lady of the evening, but also the gentleman of the evening. That I was, know. How great is that? Yeah. That was a really yeah. interesting. That's fantastic. Because yeah. I remember when we got there, and I'm just like, oh, is, why is she going to a brothel? And then you, you see the guy who very much looks like a lady come down. And uh, it's it was like, amazing. Oh, right. That was amazing. a thing back then. Yeah, I know. It's fascinating. Yeah, it just made you. I mean, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it just, it, yeah, it gave you that sort of strange, comforting feeling that, you know, we, as much as time moves on, that it's really just a construct because people have not changed at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. when you see, like, old films and you're just like, oh, my gosh, okay, this is obviously, you know, black and white film, and you're looking at actors and you're going, 
that looks like my someone I work with (laughs) (laughs) or you know you know what I mean it's just like wow it's just one more wave (laughs) it's also the benefit of like the thing is with like old movies they're forced to use um innuendo and particularly American movies are forced Mm -hmm. to like conform to the code right um that um sorry Chris the Hayes code that's it yeah um so those sorts of things which historically would have been there are not really represented in movies and Mm -hmm. that's why it's so cool like that there is this historical film which is which is animated and and um and uh made nowadays that can actually um you know, it, it, which, which is able to uh, to represent the the real way people used to live back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, wasn't that so funny? And this is it's a little bit off topic, but we'll just swing real, real, real quick. But during one of the panels um, at Animation uh, Nice New York Best of Fest, and you remember that moment during the um, the panel judges <laughs> um, <laughs> the panel when Anthony Hagen guest, who's you know. Uh, going to aid by 80 and then uh, Leah Shore who's younger um, and she had had she um, showed some of her work and it was basically like live action porn with animation um, <laughs> with a layer of animation above it <laughs> um, and then uh, it's she did her own VO on top of that but um, so it had like a <laughs> playful raunchiness and um, and Anthony uh, Anthony Hayden Guest was like um he made a reference to like pre Hayes code films, you know, pre Fantasia. And at first she didn't um, quite um, get what he, he, she thought he was making a joke and he's like, Oh no, 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 I'm saying that I love that because it's as raunchy as the original before the code was introduced. Yeah. Isn't that, (laughs) I I loved that moment so much. (laughs) So he's just like, this is exactly the point, you know, but it was, anyway, it was just, it is just interesting how, um, you know, animation has a way, you know, like because this film has been created and made, you know, it's now part of a time capsule, capsule as long as we survive as a species. <laughs> but you yeah. know what I mean? Like it, yeah. and it, uh, animation has that kind of power and, and freedom. You know, this is pretty extraordinary. I, I was constantly wowed at every turn by this film, not just yeah. in terms of just visual effects and those supernatural moments that just kind of, you know, I wasn't expecting and just kind of really caught me off guard, but I, I enjoyed them. Yeah. It was just even, even just like some of the smaller moments, like I said, where the, the moment in the snow where the boy, little boy actually starts playing with the younger <laughs> blind sister and it's just. That's animated so, so well. So well I know. I gotta find out who did that. <laughs> Yeah, if you do, let me know because I just want to be like, "Hey, that was awesome." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm gonna have a look now. Um, but um, and, <laughs> another thing, like about the, just about the movie's richness uh, for me, um, was like I didn't really, I don't understand the ins and outs of uh, Buddhism <laughs> at all, <laughs> and uh, but that like being in the film I, I I don't know even though I didn't understand it I I really appreciated the reverence that was in the film mm-hmm. when it came to 
representing that kind of um, uh, spirituality or, um, oh, right, or like yes. religious uh, uh, experiences, basically, that some of the characters went through. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that was because it wasn't over-explained. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, because when you do that, it gets it just gets more complicated for the people who who don't understand it. And now that they can just watch the movie, try to you know, and, and figure it out on their own, really. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's what that meant. But that's you know, it's 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 just there. And I, like with a lot of things with this movie, it's just it's there and it's well presented, and you just enjoy the ride. Yeah. Oh, that that scene in the snow was animated by Toshiyuki Inoue. Who is um, like a superstar <laughs> animator? <laughs> you uh, know what? That makes sense. Yeah, he he um, animated actually um, a lot of uh, a letter to Momo. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, so he's like, and the drawing in that film is solid, and but like also Akira and oh man. Like a load of Satoshi Kon films and everything. Yeah, like you said, superstar. Superstar, yeah. We should reach out just cause. (laughs) Just cause. Because I've learned to try. (laughs) 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 I I just feel like there's there's kind of there's been a lot of worry, you know, with Ghibli and everything that it's coming to an end and where's the next generation of anime coming from the same sort of but it suddenly seems to be like there's some really interesting stuff happening um like your name which is apparently exploding in japan is like (laughs) the most (laughs) successful non-ghibli anime movie ever in japan at the moment wow Um, and like already made like more than a hundred million dollars US just in Japan, and that seems to have captured people. And you can check out our review on AFA. Uh, <laughs> and Plug. I, I, I've seen the review. I mean, the trailer for In This Corner of the World, and it's gorgeous. And and there's this. It just feels like there's. There feels like there's kind of um, an interesting new generation. Or, yeah, I think the thing that, like, actually, I, I don't know if this is what you're saying, Chris, but I, I saw the trailer for In This Corner of the World as well. Mm-hmm. And and this, I actually really like that they're, they're not like Ghibli films. Yeah. It's, I mean, that like, was... visually and in terms of, like, just uh, something as straightforward as, like, the... Um, uh, the the rating, you know, like the fact that it's aimed at uh, Miss Hoxie is aimed at mature audiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it really seems like I mean there are yeah there's there's definitely seems to be a trend a new trend of a lot of you know either new animators or new just you know new people stepping up to the director's uh, chair and responsible for like these new animated movies that are coming out of Japan. And I mean it's 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 really good. I mean that it's they're not. But I don't think any of them are really trying to imitate what Ghibli have done. Maybe, perhaps, at one point or another, they were inspired by a Ghibli film, which is, you know, I can understand. Well, you know, it's, it's they're big films, but still, it's like there's 
there's still enough unique about these new movies coming out. There's enough unique about Hokusai, uh, Momo, and this corner of the world, and even a lot of the um, Mamoru Hosoda films that came out in the past. And mm-hmm. just like it's, they all kind of have their own like. What's the word I'm looking for? Like I wouldn't say maybe tone's not the right word. Like, it's vo- I guess a voice would be the better mm. better word for it. You know, they just they have each you know project seems to have their own voice that sets them apart from each other and from Ghibli. And I think that's actually probably like the best thing we could have because that way we could have all these different films to see and all experience something different when we see them. Though I I do th- I did think uh, just a few moments some of those really personal little moments like with the little boy in the snowball that mm-hmm. kind of had um, that Princess uh, Kaguya sort of feel you know mm. the same those personal I mean it, I mean it's just because it's so human <laughs> and really well animated I think that was really um, I mean I'm sure on a closer inspection it would be. That's not the only Kaguya comparison I was able to make. Remember the um, uh, dragon scene that I mentioned before and how it was coming out of the clouds? There was also something uh, relatively similar in uh, Oh, oh right. Holy smokes. Yeah, that's when the, the, the clouds, okay. storm clouds literally form a dragon's face and claws oh, and everything. It's like, oh, it's it's no kind of like that. Okay. Yeah, and, and that's exactly also the same kind of um, like blurring of historical and like mythological yeah. way of living where it's like you know um oh you know uh be careful because there are dragons in the water and it doesn't literally mean dragons in the water it means it's going to be choppy out there mm-hmm. but the movie is kind of remembering history like from a mythological kind of perspective right like oh no the, no they're actual dragons i saw one <laughs> yeah and then and then also it's turned into like this beautiful um analogy for perceptiveness mm-hmm. when yeah. it comes to like being an artist and yeah. it's got it's got lots going on all these it layers sure it's deep, it's deep. It, sure it is a very deep movie <laughs> and i think i'm really unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about that we've we've covered a good majority of it yeah. so i maybe made me want to draw <laughs> Yeah, made me want yeah. to draw yeah. really bad. Like I was it just made... like, "Can I just? I'm gonna get my set trick now." Oh shit, subtitles. Exactly. Exactly. I was like, "Man, I honestly, yeah, I yeah, it's worth rewatching." That's that's a yeah, that's a great compliment. Yeah, I just want to run out to the nearest brothel. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and do something with my drawing. sketchbook. Well, in, in actual fact, in actual fact, um, this film reminded me a lot of um, the. Have you guys seen the Mike Lee uh, okay. biopic of Mr. Turner of Yes, of, uh, yes. Oh, I saw that in the airplane. Yeah, that was. It just brought me back. Oh, yeah, that's um, Pacifica. I, I mean, like, that's if great. I want, if I could, it, 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 it's 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 a completely unique film. But if I could compare it to anything. Hilarious. For me, it was like Mr. Turner because it wasn't directly about making pieces of artwork and it wasn't about like a cradle to the grave story. It was kind of about how this artist lived. Mm-hmm. And being um, an artist. And a li- yeah, and a little bit of like their everyday uh, like struggles and a little bit to do with like the tension that was in their families brought about by such a dedication to... Yeah. To, 
to that craft. And if um, you have any kind of personal motivation, it definitely validates <laughs> a little bit anyway, the struggle. <laughs> yeah, I found that tricky. And and in a way, that kind of plays to the film's strength when those things are not really explored, but they're presented plainly. And it's up to you to read into whether what's going on is wholly positive or not. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, and, look at the wife, poor woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, are, are you, are you, I mean, that's actually the case in uh, both Mr. Turner. Exactly. But, but, um, but, but, in, Miss, but in Miss Hoxie, I think the thing that would make me want to see the film again is I'm not, and and this is also like the strength of uh, for me like how it's also a historical perspective uh, in some moments um just to what extent um OA is taken seriously by her society mm-hmm. and also just domestically whether i mean there doesn't I mean, there aren't any, like, moments which are, like, which seem to be, like, on a script level about uh, sexism thrown at her. Well, except that she can't lie. You can't, you haven't learned to lie good enough. That's why you can't snag a man. (laughs) Right. Okay. Which did not seem really that offensive to me, but I could probably, you know, I guess it sort of casually sort of, doesn't really point, but gestures near <laughs> the subject. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And and there's that great scene at the start where that new artist arrives and he just begins like mansplaining to her like the, <laughs> yes. the uh, like how to draw basically and why yeah. and why art is so interesting. And she's just like sat <laughs> she's there, just giving him a like, look, just like, uh, when are you going to stop talking? It's the look of, like, when are you going to stop talking? But it's also, like, f- for me, it's the tension between how much is she going to take? Like, how much mm-hmm. is she going to be a rock? Mm-hmm. That's the part that's heartbreaking about her. And, and that's mm. the part that, that, that really struck home is is just that. Like, is I, you know, I, I felt... Uh, yeah, my heart broke for her through the whole movie just because of the strength that she needed, and and I She's thought that part was sure. that part was was really made clear, but it, not necessarily in a way that it delved into the reasons why, you know. But but that it but it was very clear from the beginning, and they give her her moments of like it's all very. Uh, you can deal with it all because they give her those moments where she like boots everybody out of the the apartment, right? Or yeah. You know, so they give her these sort of, they're not winning moments, but they're, they just push the movie forward and you kind of forget about it and move on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I don't know, I didn't forget about those moments. I I thought that those moments were like, I I don't know, like, I I, I could imagine that, like, Hokusai Senior, he wouldn't allow himself to be treated by her unless he didn't believe in some very uh strong way that he would never really happily admit uh easily that he is a complete bum and <laughs> oa is uh the strength you know yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah 
Yeah. And he probably knows that from the beginning. I mean, and, you mm. know, because the whole movie is everything's so planned and done on purpose, like even that moment where she sort of has a flashback to her beginnings of her artistic career and he's guiding her. It's almost like, you know, what is his motivation for doing that? You know, maybe he yeah. has to have her. Um, yeah. As and, an and also like his, his, the portrayal of him is also like I love how honest and warts and all it is. He's a dirty old man. There's no yeah. two way. There's no two ways about it. He's just like uh, he is, and um, I I really like that because like you know Hawkeye is such an iconic, famous artist that you know we everyone kind of knows his his most famous uh, piece. Um, and the film could have very easily have had like a very misplaced kind of reverence for him mm-hmm. there. And I like that it didn't. Yeah, like I said, it just made him this really kind of like old, grumpy, dirty old man who lives in a basically a sty of a studio. Yeah, basically, but... they, they don't clean they, they don't clean it up. They don't clean it up. They just move to a new place. <laughs> I love her romantic. <laughs> I just love it. I want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you sold it. That's, that's proper artist there. <laughs> right, they don't they don't show any bugs or anything like that. Ah, uh, okay. Still, no it's... real filth. <laughs> There's no poo apart from at the start <laughs> when he implied. steps in the poo, it's and it's not seen. <laughs> yeah, there's no poo in the film. <laughs> that could be said of a lot of films, though. No, but, but 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 actually, an actual. I mean, like if you to make a point, like a it it it's um. I think there's a difference between a film that wants to show poo and one that doesn't. <laughs> in all seriousness, I I I think that no. In all there seriousness, lot, there I, could have been a lot of real human moments. <laughs> yeah, I and think they didn't even of... they didn't even show the dog the the dog crap that he steps in. <laughs> it's it's a postcode film. Yeah, it? exactly. <laughs> He's like, I stepped in dog dog crap. Right, they don't show that either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I didn't see the movie all the way through the last time I watched it. Was there a scene at the end, or am I imagining this, where it shows the river, and then it shows the river as it is today? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. I love those pan outs. Those camera moves from the very beginning were really, really cool too. Actually, mm. I think if you look at the like the poster, there's like modern elements in in the picture. I think. Oh really? Well, it looks to me like it. It's like a tower or something, and I thought that didn't look like it was. I, I might be misreading oh. it, but I thought there was like, and I thought that's bizarre, and that just seems to come from like that bit at the end. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's... Uh, I guess that's probably because that's the view... That there is now. That there is now, perhaps. Or... Yeah, I think you're, that looks... I don't know, man. Is it Tokyo Tower? I don't know. I was just thinking that, but I thought Tokyo Tower was red. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. I guess it's probably there in the same way that, like, if there was a movie set in London, yeah. you'd have, like, Big Ben and the London Eye, mm. just because stuffed in there. Yeah, because stuffed in there, and it's just like, 
This is London. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- I guess the poster that you're talking about is the Japanese version of that, where there is, you know, the great wave of Hokusai in the background and, you know, Mount Fuji mm-hmm. as well. So. Okay, then. I think that about wraps up for our Miss Hokusai chat. Yeah. Just just a little time. That was good. I I was so I was pleased that you guys I could talk about that with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad that I got to watch it. it. Phenomenal. Excellent. Yeah. I'm gonna get that on DVD when it comes out. Yeah, it was a really great. So thank you, G Kids. <laughs> yes, thank you, Anime Limited. <laughs> <laughs> Animation for adults. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thanks to us as well. Yeah, well done. Well done. <laughs> we don't thank each other. We enough. are awesome. <laughs> we are. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Okay. Time to gather round the water cooler. Added in water effects. I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I've been watching something, but I don't really have anything to talk about. I watched Miss Hokusai. It was great. I talked about it just then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I watched uh, Bird Time. And it was great. And yeah, <laughs> I will leave it at that because I don't really want right. to talk about what I've been watching <laughs> other than that. Uh, Dan, did you want to go ahead and talk about uh, Ethel and Ernest real quick? Sure, yeah. Um, I went to the world premiere yesterday of Ethel and Ernest. I have to, like, really slow down every time I say that title so I don't <laughs> accidentally say Ernest and Celestine. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so what it is, is it's um, it's the first feature film from uh, Lupus, uh, studio in London, w- which has been um, adapting the work of Raymond Briggs for years, um, and that same. I think some of the people who are involved with those films worked on Ethel and Ernest, but essentially, um, Raymond Briggs made a, a, graf- a comic, a graphic novel um, about his parents. Um, who were called Ethel and Ernest. And unlike his other work, which was um, uh, like it was picture books, basically, for children, um, Ethel and Ernest was um, a, a biography uh, uh, of his parents' lives, basically. Um, that it, and it follows their marriage uh, up until their, their deaths. Um, so this is, you know, in, in the same way that the snowman, uh, the, the, the animated short looks just like the, 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 the book, mm-hmm. this is in the same style. It's, it's like, a it's Raymond Briggs, like all over. Wow. Um, and it's just like the most beautiful film. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but I mean, kind of like Miss Hoxite, it's not really got a story. It's just um you follow some people as they live through the um uh early to mid part of the twentieth century. So it's kind of like an epic but seen from 
like a terrace house <laughs> in South London uh, through the eyes of uh, a happily married couple. Hmm. Um, and yeah, so like, and, and the film starts with an introduction uh, from Raymond Briggs himself. So it's a little bit like the uh, the David Bowie introduction uh, at the start of The Snowman. And he kind of just says, you know, my, my parents, there wasn't much drama. There was no divorce, nothing like that. But they had each other. And then the this, this story starts. And and it's like a, uh, a cheeky Cockney guy courting um, uh, a woman who, who worked as a, who worked as a maid for quite a posh family, like a housekeeper for a posh family. And um, he takes her to the pictures and and they, you see them through their courting days and they get a house together and they get married. And, 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 and also they have a son, which is Raymond Briggs. Um, But it's really just like a portrait of two people. It's in, in the best sense, it's like sitting down with someone as they talk you through, like, um, a photo album. Oh, right. Because That's there are so cool. many, like, beautiful everyday details, and um, you see time pass through things like... I mean, obviously there's the news, so you have um, the news of, uh, you know, the Second World War breaking out which is like really chilling because they use real recordings um, of like the British prime minister, like announcing that they're at war with Germany and things like that. Wow. And of course being like, living in London, oh, yeah. um, th- they had to get shelters and you see them build this shelter and live through um, like a couple of bomb, uh, you know, live through the blitz mm. Um and a bomb like hits their their neighborhood, and it's it's really um, this, this, I mean the thing is like those stories for me. I was told those sorts of stories by my by my um, by my nan mm. and uh, about when she was a little girl, and she was living um, in London with uh, her grandparents, who I actually knew as well. And the film reminded me so much of my great grandparents. Not just because of like the fact that they lived in the same period in the same place, but like they were the same kind of people. Like they, um, you know, uh, it, it's a very British film, um, which is probably obvious because you know, uh, just because of the setting, but it's also very British because of very, um, like it's it's quite locally British, is what I'm saying. They they, they bicker um, the pair mm. about like uh, 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 Tory or Labour, or um, or Clement Attlee or Churchill, and 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 there's like a real undercurrent of um, uh, class going through the film, and and it's done in like really subtle ways, like. The house they move into has a bathroom, and and Ernest is like, "Wow, there's a lav," because <laughs> he's come from like such a working class background that he's not used to there being a toilet inside the house. And um, later on in the film, like he's 
gotten messy in the garden and he, she gets she's like oh come in and he's like no what wash in the bathroom i'm far too dirty to wash in the bathroom <laughs> and and there are lots of like really lovely little subtle um really specific uh like social details about stuff that sort of goes on between the pair of them uh yeah it's it's a again like it's a really unique film there's nothing like it because it's so specific to these people's lives and it's based quite um faithfully on on the structure of the uh of the graphic novel and but 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 it's really not like super rosy either it's it's quite frank in how things are uh, presented uh, you know around the war in in England there was a lot of loss and there are moments where you see people dealing with that sort of thing um uh like the the celebrations of VE day um you know are kind of not without the complexity that lots of people on in the neighborhood lost people during the war as well um and 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 there's also a a, a really small storyline um about uh a mental illness that uh Raymond Briggs's wife had um but it's presented in like a really frank honest way and it's really not sentimental in how it does it. Um, and I really responded to it. Yeah, it was it was a real treat. And um, and I think people are really going to uh, love it and, and respond well to it. Yeah, I, I, we discussed the trailer when it came out. And mm-hmm. I basically said that I, I'm pretty sure that this film is going to basically demolish me because <laughs> because <laughs> what you're saying about your great grandparents well this is my my nan and granddad were from london my mum was originally from london and it's and my grandparents would have been around at that sort of period so you know it's it's going to be very personal for a lot of for the uk audience it's going to be very personal especially if you got like family from london or whatever yeah just what would yeah, basically it, exactly what it's you're really saying. Gonna it's gonna hit just going to be like, like you say, like looking for an old photo album. Yeah, and but it but it has like all of these like lovely details as mm-hmm. well, and and things like the twentieth century, uh, not passing them by, but kind of trying to wriggle into their lives. Mm-hmm. Like they're very reluctant about getting a phone in the house. <laughs> And these little things that you, I mean, like you, that you don't think twice about nowadays, but it treats them very, very seriously. But it's also like a really, um, I mean, there are lots of there are lots of laughs in the cinema as well. Um, yeah, it's a it's a really special one, and I'm just so pleased that, um, I mean, like the production was based in London. Uh, and I knew people who worked on it, and I've been looking forward to it for, like for for a while because animated films take a long time to make. Yeah, <laughs> so I heard about yeah. this ages ago, um, and I'm so pleased that it's 
it, it's like it's our own film. Like finally, I feel like it's it's a British story, uh, and it's and it's been made in Britain, and it's great, and, and it's really honest, and yeah, I, I I loved it. It was it was a real treat, and it's been an amazing uh, festival for animation for me, but the London Film Festival. Mm. And it's just like an incredible year for yeah. animated films. Like to have the Red Turtle and um, uh, My Life as a Courgette like be such unique films, and then for Ethel and Ernest to come along and for it to absolutely deliver is uh, is a real treat. Um, and also, like if I hadn't convinced you enough that it's worth seeing, <laughs> um, it's got the voice talent of uh, Jim Broadbent and Brenda Blethyn. Yep. Wow. As as the main characters, and and they turn in really good performances, uh, as well. So yeah, it's it's gonna it's it's like a classic for me already. Wow! <laughs> Even though I only saw it yesterday, and it's gonna be loved, I think, as much as any of the uh, uh, Raymond Briggs animated uh, films. I love it when you get the feeling that you've 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 just sat through a movie that you so it's going to be special for you not just just this one time but like further down the line. Yeah, and I think it was kind of confirmed for us yesterday uh watching the film uh with Raymond Briggs actually in attendance. <laughs> when he came on stage afterwards and he kind of couldn't speak. Oh uh, my goodness! Right away, because well, he said he felt like it was like he had seen his parents come back to life. Uh, oh my goodness! On the screen, and uh, yeah, so it was like you could feel that like the emotion in the room was 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 palpable. My goodness! Uh, That's, oh man! Yeah, it was. It's a good movie. <laughs> That's what I say. Oh my god! It's it was great. Yeah. Sweet. I, I, I want to see it now. I really want to see it. Okay, um, it's it's getting um a release in uh independent cinemas in the UK, at least. Um. Oh my god! You also. Th- I only found this out um like today, but the backgrounds are hand painted. No way. Which is quite unique nowadays. Um, oh my god. Uh. I mean, uh, yeah, which is, which is, yeah, anyway, it just, it doesn't matter because there's CG and, um, computer hand-drawn stuff in it as well, but, um, this really yeah, like it's got type of movie. such beautiful texture. Yeah, I, I, I think you would love it. I can't, but I can't watch it yet. Um, well, yeah, it's getting a, a release in the UK at the end of the month. And I think it's going to be, I mean, relatively limited. So it's going to be, uh, you know, um, probably just in your art house cinemas. But I keep seeing in certain uh, articles about the film that it might be on TV at the end of the year. Okay. Um, and film. I think if it... BBC co-production. Yes, yeah, it's a BBC film. Um, and... If that were the case, I, I mean, of course, in terms of the film making money, it, it's it's not uh, the conventional thing to do. 
but I think it would really find like a, uh, an audience there, and I hope it really does because I can I can't really think of anyone um, like at least in my family who wouldn't love it because it just reminds you so much of people that you know. That that takes a very special film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank them for making it. <laughs> it's great. Okay. Um, I just had one really quick thing that I was going to mention because uh, I've now that I've had some time off, I've had some time to get back into playing a couple uh, video games, and I had a chance to play one uh, recently. I'm still working my way through it, but I felt like I need to at least talk about it, and I will have a article up on it in the near future. Um is the latest installment of the Paper Mario series that this they've actually had the uh released a game for the Wii U as of October 7th um Paper Mario Color Splash and I thought it was worth bringing up just on you know really quick on the podcast because I've noticed that that with certain games made by Nintendo they tend to have a really like some some of their titles tend to be really like creative in terms of like the style of the style of the game like uh for example like a uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn, an entire game with, you know, and, it, you know, the backgrounds and everything is set to look like it was, you know, knitted together oh, or, yeah, you know, the, made the, of the, fabric yeah. of stuff like that. You, and, you know, there's that, there's, um, what was it, Yoshi's, I forget, I think there was a, a similar style game that was done for Yoshi as well, but one of the things that I've also appreciated about the, you know, Paper Mario is that they kind of do a similar concept, you know, just everything is done, you know, strictly two-dimensional you know, you can, and they've taken advantage of that with previous games. Like, oh, if he's, this Mario's made out of paper, he can fold himself up into a paper airplane and, like, make it across this, like, ravine or whatever. But, um, something about Color Splash that I think that basically what a lot of Paper Mario games have tried to do, they've only been able to play around with the whole, like, concept of animated paper and paper backgrounds, you know, so far. I think they really were able to take that to the nth degree in this game because like in all of the, if you look at the trailer and clips of, uh, you know, footage from the game, it's, it's, it really looks like you're, you're walking around something that was like made by hand in terms of like paper cutouts. And, you know, like you're walking through this, like, like mountainous area, like all the mountains are made out, look, look, look like they're made out of cardboard. Hmm. And it's just, it's, it's really super charming. And not to mention that these games are, have a really, funny dialogue because it's Mario and it's it's got a it's got a good sense of humor if it's Mario. So if you're if that's the kind of like, you know, style of uh video game that's interested to you know interesting to you, I would highly recommend checking it out. It's not perfect, but you know, there are definitely a couple things that, you know, kinda of drag it down a little bit, but in terms in terms of like the style and the look, it's 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 definitely like one of the best Nintendo has to offer. Just in terms of creativity with the landscapes and level design <laughs> nice. so that's 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 my two cents for the water cooler <laughs> well, anything you want to talk uh, about quickly oh <laughs> uh, quickly i <laughs> yeah really i i just have a <laughs> hey <laughs> no i just i just have a couple small things because um really i was yeah i've been recovering from the best of fest mm-hmm. um but i did I did get a chance to 
briefly attend the um, Future Storytelling Festival, which is basically um, you get like a little three block time and there are some panels. Um, and it was, uh, they were all vir virtual reality um, uh, experiences that were set up. And then I, I did uh, check out a video game uh, on the HTC Vive recently, um, which was <laughs> pretty interesting. Um, that, that one's called Mount Wingsuit. And basically you just, you jump off cliffs and fly down. <laughs> and, um, there was a lot of, um, closing my eyes before I hit the ground. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Actually>. <laughs> um, that but it was, the, that's, that sounds like a game, a good game for you to like help get over your like fear of heights or it's like your fear of falling. Exactly. Because there was another one I tried called the plank and, um, the walk, which is based on the, um, film which is based on the documentary like man on a wire right um where you go up into an elevator and you do walk across a plank at, at the top of the city and, and um specifically for the walk i think the part of the goal of all of it is to jump which i was just like that game freaked me out so bad so oh, this is actually that was a little bit of a um uh, sort of had me um, think about trying out this other one, but um, yeah, it's fun. I mean, it makes you slightly nauseous, but um, it is pretty thrilling. I will—I'll be trying it again with the fan blowing on me. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but that I tried that recently, like the other day. Um, but at the uh, Future of Storytelling event, I mean, there was actually one. Uh, more there's a, um there's a device uh, there's a, an experience called birdly which basically fly through new york city but you actually get into this contraption and um it was it got it was uh the waiting list was way too long i didn't get a chance to use it but um but it's pretty funny that um, I did uh, post a photo on Instagram of someone in it, um, but I haven't yet tried it. But that it's just kind of funny that someone's making um, this German company is making a good bit of money, I think, um, or at least it's interesting that they're building these devices for um, museums and educational institutions to go along with virtual reality experiences. Pretty funny. <laughs> but honestly, the most interesting thing at the that I saw at. Um, and there were a few floors of exhibits. A lot of it was pretty standard and, um, um, and, and some of it was, you know, very interesting and everything. But the most interesting thing I saw was called, um, new dimensions and testimony. And what it was is it sort of goes along a little bit with what you were just talking about, Dan. Um, uh, they're, they're taking, um, Holocaust survivors and interviewing them and asking them a bunch of different questions and interviewing them, um, in front of a green screen and then using that, um, recording and information to create, um, sort of virtual conversation. So what you can do is, and we tried it out in the room and it, it was incredible, um, really effective and, and, I mean, mostly because of the content and the story, but also um, the interactivity was really kind of unbelievable. So you go up to the mic and you ask this um, person sitting in front of you um, within the device a question, and then they respond and they tell you their stories. Hmm. And they're asking right now, it's sort of in uh, sort of testing mode. And I sent a link uh, for the show notes because it's really worth looking at. Um, they're calling it natural language technology, but, um, and basically a part of it is just, um, asking a bunch of questions, but then it really was seamless. I mean, that's the thing that was kind of extraordinary and not to mention the fact that the stories that we heard in the room were uh, haunting and heartbreaking, of course. And, um, 
And, you know, as the Holocaust survivors all, um, as once there are none living, um, to tell these stories, it's important to, to archive, record and archive yeah. these stories. And then this is presenting a possibility of sort of interaction, um, yeah. with them after they're, they're all, they've all passed away. And, um, yeah, it was it was pretty incredible. Um, New Dimensions and Testimony, it was called. And honestly, of all the like fin- fancy devices and birdly and you know whatever, like this was really the most fascinating um, installation. I yeah, thought. Yeah, I can see that. So wow, that is that's some woof. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I hope I um it. I hope that ends up in uh. I know, like a museum or something here. Totally. It's, and it, it may, I mean, I, I grabbed the woman's card. I, I want to, um, I'm going to follow up with her and just see what they're doing. Just even just stay in yeah. touch because, um, and anything I can do to help them, you know, mm-hmm. if I can, I, I, you know, I, I'll, I will. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, that's what, like, that's the kind of goal <laughs> that we should be sort of aiming for, I don't know, in part, anyway. No, using, using virtual reality as a way to help document and record important stuff about history and personal yeah. accounts that should not, should never be forgotten. Yeah, it should be sort of the goal. And, and you know, people are really sort of, you know, mesmerized by the, by the vehicle of virtual reality and there are a lot of demos, mm. right? But um, this was just, and this wasn't really virtual reality, you know what I mean? This wasn't even, it's not a hologram, it's not... Yeah, I mean, not that, like, it's not that um, everything in virtual reality is a gimmick. Right. It's really, like, uh, an art form really becomes mature when Mm -hmm. it can evolve past that, too. Exactly. And we have that conversation all the time. Um, I talk, Mm. Mark Sternberg and I, who's our, you know, acting very director and part of um, Reverie Immersive Works, he and I talk about that constantly and it comes up at a lot of um, the panels, you know, a lot of the panel, I don't know. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. We can talk about it at another time, but, um, uh, cause I said I would be fast, but, <laughs> but, um, but it's fascinating. And, and yeah, again, like these, these guys are worth checking out. Um, uh, because exactly like we need to, the goal is to make content like content. That's, you know, not just, factual but you know important artistic and um you know not just have it i mean everything has its place but yeah for sure we in order for vr to really have a have a place in the world um we need to be creating art with it It, that that'll help it grow and that'll make it become more of you know just a unique form of entertainment on its own or maybe even more than just a form of entertainment Oh yeah, no. I mean, there's definitely a. It, it could be a source for a news. I mean, that honestly, that's worrying to me, and that's something that I talk about a lot with a lot of people. Is you know, whenever I see a sort of like news that's been recorded with a, um, you know, through a sixty degree camera, I think like now we're all everyone is sort of expects when they see footage that it could be doctored. Yeah. Um. You sort of everyone has a, has some you know we expect that but for some the thing about even just 360 degree footage um but especially virtual reality when you have this um sense of freedom and free choice Mm -hmm. um because you're looking around on your own um are we going to be as savvy 
<laughs> to doctoring and setups and you know is this a way to convince people of a point Do, you know what i mean it yeah, seems yeah. to be um it's just an interesting subject that and i really wouldn't want to use vr to watch news anyway it's just i don't sounds... know i don't know i mean it is it's a really it's an interesting thing to to look at a new place that you've never been to and see it yeah. in 360 because you feel this is the tricky part you feel like you're getting all this extra knowledge you feel mm -hmm. like because you have the ability to move your head around that you're like picking up on little things that no one's seen before mm -hmm. and um that's not necessarily the case right because no, no, all of it's planned and that's the part that gives me pause and is is um it's just a fascinating sort of side point i think no and, yeah um, i'm glad you brought it up and it's only just beginning, but yeah. Have you, have by any chance, everyone, sorry, just really yeah, yeah, quickly. No, 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 sure. Have you spoken like to, um, set designers and set dressers? Because this is like their bread and butter. Yeah. We talk about that. We, I've been talking a lot. Um, it's funny because either people seem to like skip from like, like film to virtuality, film to 3D, no, okay. right, or, yeah. and they ignore games altogether. Or are the people that seem more savvy to me are people who are, are talking about, because even if you're talking about just live action performance, we should really have Mark on here to talk about this too, because he's, he's got a, a true handle on all this, because he creates, he helps filmmakers create content for 360, um, and virtual yeah. reality and live action. But, um, and for me, it's a natural, and for all of us, it's sort of a natural thing because we all play video games, and um, specifically mm -hmm. for sandbox games, I mean, this is exactly, I mean, it's exactly the same thing. Like, you're putting yourself in the environment automatically with everything you have. Just the difference is it's way easier now. You just put a set on your head. Um, but with, yeah. with uh, you know, yeah, with regard to, like, film and movies, it's really interesting because then you're dealing with, like, acting or performance as well. And um, it gets really weird because they're not theater performances and they're not film performances. There's not – you have to think about what's happening to the camera and then you – but then you don't – you can't think about that, you know. And so um, even getting, like, good performances out of actors becomes this really strange thing. But, yeah, like, set design, game designers – like, I really think games – and game designers are, are really the people who are already thinking about this and have been for a really long time. Um, of course. You know, and not yeah. to mention the fact they've already been involved in the technology. You know, we had Michael Ferraro on one of our panels, and he worked on the original Tron, and he was working in virtuality like 20 years ago. It's just that there was just like mm -hmm. way too much of a bottleneck with regard to accessibility and also, of course, you know, technology um, and rendering times and stuff. We, we're in a different place now. Yeah. Definitely. It's good. Yeah. The brand new world. Yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> but but again, you know, it's fun. Like I said, like the, you know, content is uh is key. But, it is. Um, but yeah, you should definitely check out those links to this uh new dimensions and testimony thing. Who did it? The USC University of Southern California. Looks like. Show a foundation. Anyways. <laughs> Cool. Good times. <laughs> okay, I think that wraps us up for tonight. Thank you for <laughs> joining us. We will be back very soon with another episode. Uh, if you would like to help us create more great content and get extra bonus content and early episodes and extended episodes and access to a very special subscriber-only feed, then you can support us on Patreon at Patreon 
facebook.com slash animation for adults and we'd be very grateful and otherwise you can find all our stuff on animationforadults.com find us on tumblr pinterest google plus facebook and follow us at afa blog and you can also on thursday the 20th of october you can do a twitter watch party and watch nightmare for christmas and Coraline and tweet along with us and that is at 5 p.m pacific 8 p.m eastern there we go (laughs) and that's 1 1 a.m uk time sorry so it might be a bit late for us in the uk but the others will be having a great time so join in and get in the mood for halloween and you can find me personally at Mr. Crystal on Twitter and Facebook. And where can we find you, Rachel? Find me on Twitter at Filthy Ninja. Dan, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Hamu. And Yvonne. I am on Twitter at iSnare underscore Inc. And as always, if you would like to submit an animated short film to Animation Nights uh, New York, uh, please uh, go to our website and we are on Film Freeway. Um, and that includes VR animated content. Awesome. And it was fantastic to have you back. Yeah! <laughs> so <And> awesome. <laughs> I missed you guys so much. Missed you too. <laughs> we missed you too. <laughs> oh. And we will be back next time for episode 58. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye. 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 Bye.